I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the BT Sport MotoGP podcast with myself, Gavin Emmett. I'm joined by Keith Hewan and Julian Ryder at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas today, ahead of round three of the MotoGP World Championship. So, Keith, Jules, a month ago we were talking about Honda playing catch-up after uh, all the rule changes and pre-season. Now we sit here before the start of this weekend, Mark stop of the championship. We're heading to his favourite circuit on the calendar, favourite country as well, because he's won here consecutively so much. Uh, so, first things first, did we overplay Honda's problems? Huh. <laughs> I don't think so, somehow. <laughs> no, I, of course we didn't. I think Honda have problems. Um, I think Mark is getting his way around them as much as Honda are getting their way around them. They're going to have to meet in the middle at the end of the day. That motor's set as it is. They've got to run what they've brung. Uh, they can't change the electronics, they can't change the tyres, they can't change the, the mechanicals of it. That's all sealed within the few engines that they're allowed in their allocation. Mark, get on with it, mate. And in the press conference, he was talking about still having acceleration problems. That's the problem. Not top end, it's getting getting there. And he was talking about being unable to keep up with not just the Hondas and the Ducati and the Yamaha, but the Suzuki as well. I could see some bristling from the Honda bigwigs who were sat in front of me when you heard that uh, from Mark. But is that worrying for the rest then that he's topping the table and there's probably still more to come? No, I think uh, basically I don't think anybody's going to be watching what Honda's going to be doing. They're going to be doing their own thing with the electronics and the tyres as to what they're going to be doing. If you noticed at that, that sort of ill-fated Argentinian round where everything looked faster than a Ducati down the back straight only because we were coming onto that straight through that fast turns three and four even the Yamaha of Valentino Rossi apart from his second bike his first bike looked alright but his second bike didn't quite have the grip that he wanted but down that straight yep. the Ducatis didn't look like they had any advantage that was just power delivery there was one incident wasn't there in that first ten lap stint where Valentino came onto the straight, as Keith said, with a Ducati and just walked away from it. And that's just a matter of hooking, hooking up out of Turn 4. I think we always have trouble, all three of us, four of us, if we include Hodgie, of course, got to include him, haven't we, the boy? <laughs> we're, we're very inclusive here. Uh, but the fact is, I think that it's very difficult sometimes with things being as tight as they are on the track, mechanically, physically. Everything nowadays is within, you know, thousandths of a second. We're getting lap times to four decimal places. I know it's an old pet hate of Jules because I go on about it as much, but, but four decimal places, you'll get two or three riders that have ended on the fourth decimal place exact same time. You know, when you're dealing with cross manufacturers all being that close to each other, that, that these performance enhancements are so fine, so tiny, we will never be able to see them, but they're there. Should we note one fact as well? Yes, Mark's leading the championship handily, but if Dovi had stayed on two wheels in Argentina, he'd be one point behind Mark. Yeah, I loved 
ifs. I know I, I shouldn't. Exactly. I know we, I should. Yeah. What, about, what about Jorge if he'd stayed yeah, on? Yeah, exactly. You know, there's, there's so many of those. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, Valentino, there was a conspiracy theory because Andrea Iannone stopped Davizioso from being that point. So where's the, who's, who started that oh conspiracy? Oh, God, don't start it, Keith. We don't need that again. We know where we got to at the end of last year. Um, but we come to Austin now. And Marquez has been unstoppable since we, we've been coming to this circuit. Won three in a row here. Been on the pole uh, three in a row. Nine successive races he's had uh, winning in America since he was in the Moto2 days as well. So he loves coming here, Marquez. Surely it's a safe bet. Well, I think you can have a safe bet, but we don't have any of them, do we, Jules, in here? I mean, it's. Uh, the, I, I still. Anybody who can do what that kid did last year broke down, parked his bike, leapt the wall, jumped oh. on it, had one lap left to go and set pole. Out of control pole. Was it Dovey that was behind him? It was said, Dovey. Dovey was behind him and he said he was out of control. How I many don't know how he did it. Dovey? One of the how moments of the season, wasn't it? To oh, see him oh, do that. Without a doubt. I think that's... 100 metre sprint in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody this know, morning said it was 220 metres. I really? came in across the track yesterday. I came in, I know I'm sad, but I came in <laughs> the, the day before we had to and uh, <laughs> to see how many people have actually got here. Um, and... And I tried to jump the wall. Right, I tried to jump the wall where he did. Yeah. Just because. And it's it's taller than I am. I'm six foot and it's taller than I am. And I couldn't get up there. I and, know. and he's a foot short than you and he was wearing leather's boots helmet. And he'd run. <laughs> Already down for it. So, I mean, when you actually put it in perspective, it's remarkable what he achieved last year. And to answer your question, I don't think anybody would bet against him. But it's a, there have been a lot of changes. And the big issue here, if I might just keep rabbiting on, is the fact no one has tested, not even Michelin, anywhere. No one has tested tyres here at all. They didn't get dry tested, they were. They were supposed to do something here last year and it was, was yeah. it raining? It flooded out. Yeah. I mean, the whole place was flooded. The whole area was flooded. It had, you know, monsoon type conditions. Mm. But point being, no one has tested here. No one has run a Michelin. Michelin, and bearing in mind the front end, this was the place that forced Bridgestone to bring three front end compounds. Which uh, Michelin have done as well. They've brought three <laughs> compounds here. And they've also brought a, a rock, a Fred Flintstone rock for the back tyre as well. Yeah, well, that one was the reason why you couldn't run an intermediate, <laughs> much to Jules' pleasure because Hodgie might have won the bet already. The intermediate was the same construction. Same as in Argentina, yeah? I'm just getting it. It was to the same, yeah, to Argentina, absolutely. It was the same construction as the two... Uh, slick tyres that they'd been running in free practice and, and what they, they ran in qualifying, the one that blew up on uh, on Scott Redding, of course. And we still don't know, actually, to, to, to put a big heads up for, for Michelin, we still don't know if that was a one-off tyre fault or whether there was an well, inherent fault. Well, the, the talk is, Valentino Rossi mentioned it in the press conference, Polis Bargaro was ranting about it after the last race that it's a uniquely Ducati problem. We haven't got any problems with the tyres, says Rossi, says Espargaro, and we're all having to uh, change, or we had to do the situation in Argentina because of Ducati. We've mentioned about how uh, Yamaha is suggesting that this is a uniquely Ducati problem. What about Ducati? Because that was a disaster back in Argentina. You know, and he sort of held his hands up. I haven't really apologised to He did not. To he did not. Did he? We sat in here watching it at yeah. the, the press conference. A bit strange. But a uh, few tensions in there. There's all the talk about Jorge Lorenzo, so on and so forth. But that Ducati's still going well. It was still not too far away from victory last time. Are we going to get a Ducati victory soon? Well, I mean, I think inevitably we are. Whether it's who's going to be on it when we get that Ducati victory, we don't really know. But getting back to that press <laughs> conference. Hector Barber and Eugene Laverty, <laughs> by the way. Be, yeah. Yeah. On Thursday, uh, the, the Thursday presser was just hugely amusing. I thought Ian Oney's backside was going to eat his way through his chair. <laughs> I've never seen a man squirm quite yeah, as much as I, that in my life. While waiting for his turn, especially. He, he'd, he'd grown spots. Yep. He looked like a spotty youth that, that had come out in a rash just from the. I know the lights are harsh in those pressers and everything, <laughs> but he'd got, he'd got an old cat pulled down a bit tight. 
tight, hadn't he? And he, and he? and he was squirming. I've never seen anybody squirm quite so much. I bet they've had to replace that chair. There was a bit of a question to him as well about Lorenzo, the possibility of him joining the team. Is there a tension there? Can, can you, have you seen it between the two riders? I mean, there's obviously going to have been after Sunday night in Argentina. <laughs> we've, not, we've not been allowed to see it. Yeah, I think Lorenzo has handled it very, very astutely. Uh, I mean, we were all waiting for the announcement. Would it be the big Ducati market in America where he made the announcement? Would it be here in America? where, Or will it be his home or race? Or will it be his home race? I think now, if it's going to happen, it's going to be Jerez. I've just it? been speaking to people actually here in uh, in Argentina and his manager's not even here. Um, whether what? he's coming or not, that I couldn't quite ascertain that so far. But I'd say it looks like if anything's going to happen, it'd be before the Spanish Grand Prix that we hear something. So what about Yanoni and Davizioso? Because these are crucial times for their careers, their contract. I had the feeling one of them was on their way anyway. I just had that feeling that one of them was going to have to well, leave Ducati anyway. It feels like the time, we're in that time in the cycle where lots of things change. You don't get in this game one change a year, two changes a year, do you? It's constant for three or four years. And then music stops and everybody changes Well, I was going to say, all the chairs are all lined up in the paddock yep. here, aren't they, waiting to go. As soon, yep. as soon as Lorenzo sits down, then the rest are going to be diving for the other chairs. It's going to be just the most... There's going to be a clattering, isn't there? Yeah, the most expensive game of... Uh, Musical chairs you've yeah, ever, yeah, had. ever had, yeah. And the person who most people have at the top of the list is Maverick Vinales. And he was again asked about it in the press conference. I loved his response that he was motivated by the fact that people are putting his names with these teams. And a lot of people seem to suggest as if Maverick to Yamaha is a done deal. But I was sat next to Livio Supo and he was grinning like a Cheshire cat over Vinales' response that he was motivated by people talking but about didn't him. But he, didn't he say in that press conference that no... He was focused on his riding the Suzuki. Yeah. Yes. He didn't. He, I, I got the impression that he knocked back the whole yeah, idea yeah. that but he would have been talking the Yamaha. It, no, he did. But the, my point being that when they said, what, what's it like when people are talking about you in these circles? And he said, that just motivates me, motivates me to be a, a faster what, rider. What he has said in the, in the Spanish press particularly is that for the third year, I, next season, his third year in Motor Grand Prix, that's when he must attack the title. And he will need a bike with which to attack the title. Well, it ain't all over yet. I mean, Maverick Vinales Quite. could well be riding Lorenzo's Yamaha yeah. next year. That would be my yeah. bet. It's only the or third Ducati round. Or Danny Pedrosa Sunday. <laughs> you never know. Yep. Think stranger things I'll have happened. I'll tell you what, you just touched on one there. Danny Pedrosa, yep. underperforming yep. massively at the moment. Hugely. And uh, that, th you know, there's a seat going begging there. If he, if he does that uh, again here in Texas. Well, let, let's not forget that the last couple of years here have been Repsol Honda 1-2s by a variety of distances. But if it's not a Repsol Honda 1-2 here on Sunday, that is a profound shock. And if Danny continues to underachieve, Keith... Well, I've never said... So one um, thing I, I would say about that, we, we were talking about rear-end grip problems, and he, he has that in particular, his size means he's always struggled to get heat in the rear, always struggled to lay that power down. He's got such a unique style, the way he gets that bike upright to drive the bike out of the corners. There's a few slow corners out here, a few stops. I just wonder about... We talk about the Hondas, the struggles that they'll have coming out of the corners mm. here. I, also, the Ducatis... We saw how strong they were in Qatar, coming out of the slower corners, mm. not so much in Argentina where they were coming onto the straight at pace. I think in uh, Danny's case, it's mitigated by the fact we're going uphill for a week and he only weighs <laughs> two ounces. So, I mean... <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah. accurate figures, obviously. There's, yeah, just for, just for illustration, young man, just for <laughs> illustration. OK. Um, I mean, we are going uphill fairly strongly yeah. with, with a little fella on it, so there's going to be some advantage there as well. But... Uh, don't know. It's all Isn't it just a wonderful year? Isn't it just fantastic? Already? All the all the management have got their riders on contracts that end in 2016. That's the that's the real. When we left Qatar, we were talking about how 
strong Yamaha had come out of the pre-season, they were the ones looking perhaps in the best shape. Completely different story when we finished in Argentina, although Rossi throughout the weekend looked the quicker of the two Yamahas. So where are we at with Yamaha at the moment with that dynamic? Well, I think that again, you know, Rossi had a fantastic first half to Argentina, mm. but then of course, as soon as he jumped bikes, A, he's slower in pit lane than, than the rather rather athletic young Mark who leapt from one bike to the other as, as he so often does, whereas... He's uh, like he'd been practising on the pommel hole. Yeah, it was it, indeed, yeah. Well, that's works. about what it takes, isn't it? That's exactly yeah. what it takes. That's not a bad example. There. I'll be using that in commentary. <laughs> Can I steal that Give one? Give Max Whitlock a call. <laughs> but the fact is, is that Valet had to put one foot down and then get across, and, and that takes time. And that put... Tito Rabat between those two bikes. Never, but, uh, mind, never mind the fact that Valentino did never got the feel with the second bike he had with the first. No, and that well, uh, he, I, he, was that down to tire. Well, this is the thing. I spoke. End. I spoke to Alex Briggs from the team, and and his suggestion was that one of the things they feel with the Michelins. Uh, the way they're made is that you get the odd tire that doesn't quite work, and all the teams have said this. Bridgestones. Continuity was fantastic. Always was. Yep. They're, 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 I mean, quality control is one thing, but the way they made them was so consistent. Pirelli have got this problem with with consistency. Yep. Dunlop had in the past yep. a long time in the you past. You often talked about a lemon, didn't you? Yeah. You, you always got pack. one now and again. And Michelin again. They're they're basically handmade beasts, you know. So if you you don't want a Friday tire, or is it a Monday tire? We're talking about um, Danny Pedrosa. His season hasn't really started. I've never seen someone so glum with a podium finish <laughs> that was gifted to them at the end. Ever. But what about Yanoni, who hasn't scored a point? Cal Crutchlow. Hasn't scored a point yet. This I tell season. you what, Cal Crutchlow, Cal Crutchlow is one of those guys that he's in your face, isn't he? He'll tell you exactly what he's thinking half the time. Not to everybody's um, like, I must say, and he's difficult for us sometimes as broadcasters as well. That must be said too. But he's a proper, proper trier, and he's had trouble with that Honda from the day he cocked yeah. his leg over it. He's had to fight with it right the way through. He's just about managed to made it qualify when he wanted it to. He's st stuck in the odd lap here and there. But this year as well, added to all of that, is the luck isn't there. No. He hasn't had any luck this year. You touched on something there, Keith, the odd lap. He disappears in qualifying and practice, and then in true Crutchlow fashion, he takes a deep breath and puts in one lap that bangs him up to, say, sixth on the grid. Because what, what happened, actually, after his first crash is his pace when he picked the bike up, and actually in the second part of the race... He made his way up to eighth. He was ahead of Bradley Smith. Maybe he got the tyre that Valentino should have had. <laughs> Quite possibly, but his pace was actually there. He was quicker than Pedrosa by a fair Cons margin if you look at his lap yeah. times. That is so Cal Crutchlow. Mm. Yeah. You know, the guy... And then he touched the white line. We know who went down. So easy to do. The penalty, penalty did not fit the crime in Argentina. You only, those damp patches when you're riding on a motorcycle, you, you know, <laughs> you can hardly see them. You know they're there, but you can hardly see them. When you tip it in, Lorenzo got caught out by it. The amount that got caught out by it in the course of the weekend. In turns one and turns three. Just were. tiny little damp patches you can hardly see from when you're on board a bike. Yeah, and we saw it as well, didn't we, in Moto2 with uh, Morbidelli, just an inch, and it was uh, different. What about Scott Redding, talking of people who've had bad luck? Uh, he was the one who got thwacked on the back by the uh, disintegrating rear tyre and put in a superb second part of the race in Argentina, only for a fuel connector, is uh, what the team were telling me. There was a, there's the, basically what connects the, the tank to, the, to, to feed it into the uh, engine. That was disconnected. Mm. Wow. So he's he's had some bad luck, but he he was riding well. He was riding well, and I think Scott has got to come up to those expectations now. I mean, the bike was something he was looking forward to riding. I think right from the beginning, we were all looking forward to him getting back on a Ducati. He struggled with the Honda last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, he looks like it fits. In. The problem you've got is that we're in Qatar, 
and then we're in Argentina, and now we're in Texas. Three really unusual rounds right at the front of a season until we get to the European side of things. Once we get into Jerez, yeah. and it all starts to move on, we get some kind of normality then a little we're bit. Gonna, we? We'll actually foc- be able to focus on what the true pl- plots are in this season. What, what, I mean, what's remarkable this, this first half of the first couple of rounds is really the way the teams have handled the problems. I mean, there have been massive problems. Some of these guys have, have taken 70-odd hours to get here from from Argentina. I mean, there's such a lot of pressure on mm. the teams at the moment, and they're going to be feeling it, that's for certain. But I've, I think they've done a fantastic job, pretty much to a man, uh, through through the first couple of rounds. To put on a good show. To put on a great I'm, show. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Bradley Smith, just to, to finish off with the uh, the Brits, we'll talk about uh, Eugene Laverty's fourth place in a second. But, but Bradley... Uh, made changes on race day. He says he learnt that you don't do that. Well, he probably knew that, but it just goes to show he was desperate to do something, and but, that's the reason why. But 26 point scoring races in a row now for Bradley Smith. If he, if he gets another one here, that puts him right up on the list of yeah, consecutive... That, I'm sure he's enjoying that particular stat, but not as much as he'd be enjoying right up the front sharp end of things. I think the, the, you know, the, the PR guys are looking for those kind of stats at this stage of things, but you know pretty much Bradley's not... There's no way is he happy with his start to the season. No. Absolutely. No, he's got his KTM contract in the bag. What about Eugene Laverty then, that, that uh, four Fourth place for the Ulsterman. Eugene was a little bit lucky, but he also was shown a, he's shown a tremendous amount of progress. I think in the in the early couple of rounds. I mean, I think if you see what he's come off the back of to get to where he is at the moment, crashes, bad luck, mechanical, all the stuff, Injury. injuries, yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's I think Eugene is is on the right trajectory at the moment. Uh, sure, it was perhaps the spotlight was on it because it was a fourth place. Uh, but there were some quite quite good people that went out of that race in front yeah. of him. But, but he yeah. was on a definite eighth, whatever uh, way you look exactly. at it. Exactly. He started the last lap eighth, yeah. right behind Hector Barber and Polly Spargaro. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not trying to undermine no, what no, he did. I know you're not. But uh, I'm also tr- I'm trying to put it in perspective. What what we mustn't do, and no fan should do, is expect him to finish fourth again this weekend. It'd be and great if he did. It would be fabulous. <laughs> but anything inside the top ten, or even inside the top ten... He's the first to is say that. an absolute... Let's use the word victory as far as Eugene is concerned. Yeah, and, and he didn't start. It was only the first day of Qatar uh, race rather than uh, testing that he actually got the bike he was going to be riding for the whole season. Well, rumor, so he's dialing it in now. Rumour has it that Michelin have brought a rock-hard, almost Bridgestone-like construction front tyre for here. And Eugene, when I saw him in the paddock a little while ago, was going, yes, please, let me have a go on that. Because he thinks he's made the progress, making the progress where he needs to. So he's really looking forward to the tyre that Michelin have brought for here, suiting him, suiting his bike, suiting his style. So talking about that, this track, we've, we've touched on it a little bit. What is going to be the key to performing well here? What's this track got uh, that, that's going to be the key to, to winning? Well, let's sort the front tyre out first. Well, that's front. been that front tyre has always been the problem here, right hand side. It's strange, isn't it? It's a left hand track, but it is the right that, especially Yamaha had a particular problem with that. Why is that? The corner, it's like Argentina a week ago. It's mainly a right-handed track, but there's two big long lefts, and that's what does the damage. Those two I big mean, long yeah, lefts in long radius. In Rio. Here, it's, you're putting a lot of weight on the front. If you look at some of the, the corners that you've got to... It's just the opposite. Back in terms of Rio Honda, it was a rear-end track. Really, really spun up that rear end. Here, you're putting a lot more work through the front tyre. It's just the dynamic of the track, that's all. Ro- Rossi reckons that Michelin's are stronger in the front in terms of how they, they last. That's, that's his what he's got going on in his head. We're only going to find out, obviously, uh, once practice gets going, I suppose. I asked Bradley 
uh, when we were all stuck at an airport somewhere in the last uh, some time it's in my a life. Of times. Yeah, it really has. We've all been stuck. Less great, for great, us than others. Great for journalists, I must say. That you can wander around, pick your rider that's bored, and yeah. get you just you call want. yourself a journalist. No, you no, no. I'm definitely not there. That's <laughs> amused the two journalists in this box right now. I can tell you that for nothing. <laughs> um, let's anyway, I was talking about Bradley. All right. Bradley yeah. said he figured that there would be at least three tracks that Michelin would be all at sea at. I asked him which ones. He said, wait and see. <laughs> oh, so they're still to come. But, but we've had, I mean, Qatar what? was all right. Yeah. That it was, was really good. Right? They had lots of testing there. They were so Argentina, that was a That's problem. That's one of them. This, this has got to be another one. Philip Island, maybe? Philip Island's got to be the other one, hasn't it? Barcelona's there any Oh, Saxon there? Ring. Saxon, Saxon Ring, maybe, yeah. yeah. So uh, there you go. There what, you go. What about in uh, Moto2 then? I think uh, we saw uh, a race that we, the kind of race we were expecting in Qatar a little bit, where we had a, a front group of riders who were all very similar in terms of pace. A couple, yeah. of, couple of mistakes. Sam Lowe's, Franco Morbidelli allowed Zarco to get away, but it's still looting. I think Zarco leading. allowed Zarco to get away. He put in the last part of that race. <laughs> yes. Absolutely Again, magnificent. fastest lap on the last lap. He looked beautiful. Yeah. I mean, he does. I mean, yeah. he rides a motorbike fantastically. I think with Sam... Uh, for me, he got a little frustrated in, in free practice and particularly and qualifying. In qualifying, particularly qualifying. He got that last lap in there just under the flag in time so he could get out there and get that one last lap in to put him on the grid where he needed to be. But he just looks a little frustrated a minute. I think when Sam calms, I know he believes he can do it and we all do as well, but he's just got to kind of calm himself just, down. Just yeah, one well, notch down. I actually spoke to him when I spoke to him after the race. I actually felt that was the happiest I've seen him with a second place. He, he was actually open to say, Joan was quicker all weekend yep. and, and proved it so in the race, but there'll be tracks where I will have that throughout the year. And I think that maturity coming through of knowing yes. second is a good result because the only way to beat Zarko is going to be Taking podiums, taking consistent. Take him out. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, work in one way, but consistently scoring points throughout the year because Zarko's not going to miss out. Here's much. the place for him to start that then, because last yeah. year he was magnificent here. He was absolutely beaten to beaten to a pulp. Yeah. Real, real big off he had here last year, and then went out to win the race. I, I think in the, the Moto Two race last week we saw Zarko, Sam. Folger on the rostrum, Rins closing in. We already know the pattern of the season. Morbidelli think, will be there, uh, and Frankie Morbidelli. Yeah, the first couple of races have been um, zero point, and you can't give Zarco two races start, let alone Sam and Folger. Um, but he will be up the sharp end, I agree. The class, what a classy field, and there's the cream is right. Well, I like it. I like the fact that we haven't quite, no, but we haven't got a necessarily one rider who looks like they're going to escape. They've got to keep tabs on Zarco, though. Sam will have him. Well, let's hope so. Right, what about Moto3 last time out? What a great story we had. Chiral Idham Powie. How many people really knew uh, <laughs> that he had a three-name moniker before going into the race? But coming out of it, first Grand Prix victory for Malaysia. It's great news for the class, great news for the championship. Fantastic to watch the team yep. on the on the wall in warm-up in the morning. First, there were two of them that were there trying to slow him down. Then there were three arms, and then there were four arms out through the fence trying to slow him. That was just in warm-up. Same thing went on in the race. The kid just found pace like no one else could even think about the pace he was I spoke to McPhee McPhee said to me that racetrack had more grip he said he was doing more with the front end of that bike in the end on those damp patches than he thought was ever possible Powie got to it before anyone else thought yeah, of yeah. it um, is he a real deal though yeah because he, he was fourth in practice fourth in qualifying no, 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 but not back obviously to seventh yeah. with uh, the penalty the way he handled the whole thing the way he handled the podium the way he handled his team the way he spoke to the media the journalists <laughs> <laughs> 17 years old. Yeah. What about Brad Binder? 
Brad Binder, well, he, he, he should have won Qatar, but he was just a little heavy to the line, wasn't he, in the end? He got pinched by... <laughs> he, he really you know did everything he could. He looked at the board when he got over the line, looked at the big big the board, tower, the tower yeah, and, the, yeah. and, the, and the screen and everything, and could see he was at the top and was starting to celebrate. Went round turn one, and then he could see the next one. And he, he said, I won't do the South African voice because I'm useless at it, but yeah. it, it, basically it had changed to Antonelli, and he said he was gutted. Absolutely and, gutted. But... That was a championship-winning performance, the kind to take third in a race like that it last time out with Fanatis, Antonelli's, yeah. uh, a lot of his competitors. Maybe Hogan, Jorge Navarro's second was impressive, but to take that third in tricky conditions, let that me, could be valuable. Let from, me tell you from something. deep as well. Let me tell you something. Even Julian isn't betting on Moto3. <laughs> <laughs> because that has got to be the hardest one to predict over a season. Yeah, you know, Binder, yeah, he's going to win uh, a race, that's for certain, but championship... You'd, right. be, you'd be risking your money. I'm going to put you uh, on the spot, though, for this weekend, then. I want your uh, your three winners across the three classes. I'm going to go with a Ducati. Good. Which I'm going one? to go with a Ducati. Which one, though? It depends which one gets knocked off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, a Ducati for the first time, and I am going to go with Dobby. Julian Are you been my mind? Well, I doubt that. It's a bit of a muddle. <laughs> <laughs> no, if... The Honda is going to be beaten this uh, on on this track. It will be by a Ducati, not a Yamaha. That I think is a safe bet. And the way there were four first gear corners. It's taking him a long time to make this decision, Keith. Well, he's not going to make it. He's, I think he's already said that I beat him to the draw. Yeah, okay. Right. I'm, I'm going to say Yanone. Okay, okay. well I'll okay, say so Mark Marcus. Marcus. I'll fine. say Mark Marcus. Oh, you ain't gone with a simple so one either. Yeah, safe bet. Okay, well come on then. I, I jumped in on Moto GP. What's your so Moto Two? Yeah. I want to say Sam. Should mm. I say Sam? He won last year here. Go on, I'm going to say Sam. Well done. I was beginning to worry about you. You know what Valentino said? You need biggins. <laughs> so, Keith, what about you, Moto2? Uh, I can't go with the same as Jules, so I'm going to have to go with Zarco, but um, I, I, my, my entire head and being wants to, wants to be with Sam. I'll, I'll go for Sam in okay. Moto2 as well. Oh, damn it. I'm going to be Sam, and if you're going to oh, double yeah. up on it, okay, unanimous. Well, the unanimous. committee is unanimous. Indeed. Um, let's hope that works well, for him. You've got to do Moto3 then. I, in Moto3, I'm going to go for Brad Binder because I think he, he's finally showing week in, week out that he is uh, the, the real deal. Bastianini. Okay. <laughs> Antonelli. Putting a Antonelli. Antonelli. Well, it's, it's hard. Those last couple of corners, he's got, I think it's not a big run onto the line here, is it, no. out of that final corner? Antonelli, so I'm going to I just pulled a name out of the hat at random there. Well, it's about, <laughs> you'll win then. Yeah, that's the best way to do it in Moto3, yeah. isn't it? But don't forget, if you want to tell us what you think, then you always can. <laughs> at BT Sport MotoGP, that's where we're at. Um, uh, we'd like to hear what you think for the... Uh, three top classes this weekend as well yeah definitely right cheers fellas thanks very much make sure you download the review podcast we'll have here from Austin on Monday and remember of course you can watch every session live this weekend on BT Sport 2 and in HD thank you very much and we'll uh, speak to you soon Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.